Listen, there has never been a better time to invest in self-storage, and there's no better team than ours to show you how to do it because we wrote the book on how to invest in self-storage. Literally, we created the best-selling home study system titled How to Find, Evaluate, Purchase, and Manage Self-Storage Facilities. We have helped thousands of people launch and scale their self-storage business and have become the nation's go-to resource for all things self-storage. That's because we not only talk the talk, we walk the walk day in and day out since 2005 through now. Two recessions and amassing a 2.5 million square feet of self-storage, totaling over 15,000 doors nationwide. There is nobody else that has more experience in self-storage that is teaching people how to invest in self-storage. So if you're ready to launch and scale your self-storage business, then go to selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab to grab your ticket to the upcoming Self-Storage Academy. So that again is selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab. Seating is limited. And on behalf of our team, we look forward to seeing you then. Take care. This is the Self-Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. Your host, Scott Myers, over the past 16 years, has acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of his incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Self-Storage Podcast. I am your host, Scott Myers. And this week's guest is Ryan Strube, Head of Commercial Investments at CrowdStreet Incorporated. Ryan serves as a key decision maker for CrowdStreet Investment Offerings and is a voting member of CrowdStreet's Investment Committee, where he oversees all aspects of investment offerings from beginning through funding on the CrowdStreet Marketplace. And he does this alongside the Chief Investment Officer. Prior to joining CrowdStreet, Ryan was Vice President of Acquisitions for Scanlon Kemper Bard, a real estate merchant banker based in Portland, Oregon, where he sourced, structured, and closed on over $640 million in assets in Denver, Portland, San Francisco, and Seattle. And on this episode, Ryan and I talked about the current state of crowdfunding and how to prepare for 2023. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Ryan Strube, Head of Commercial Investments at CrowdStreet. Ryan, so good to see you. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Really appreciate the time. The pleasure is all mine. We've been looking forward to this for a while. So I have given Storage Nation a little bit of your background and your bio as you sent it in. But now, if you would, why don't you take a little bit of time, tell us a little bit more about your story, fill in the gaps, and then we're going to dive in and talk about this crazy market that we're seeing out there and what you're seeing on your end. Yeah, happy to do so. I've been in the construction or real estate industry in a variety of capacities, Scott, for the past about 10 years now, I guess 12. You know, I started out in the construction side of the business, transferred over to the investing side, joined a Portland real estate operator in 2012. With that, I got kind of a familiarity with just more of the institutional investing. So we partnered with larger groups like Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, who are the LP side of our capital, and then also got exposed to the syndication business through that as well. So we would raise some of our GP capital with high net worth investors across the country. One of those GP investors ended up being CrowdStreet. So I got exposed to CrowdStreet back in 2015, did a couple of deals with them on the sponsor side, and ended up moving over as an investment professional with CrowdStreet in 2017 now, so about five years ago. I've been with CrowdStreet for the past five years, have been both on the capital market side and the investing side. 
And over the past five years to watch this industry and obviously the company itself grow has been really incredible. We invest in everything. So industrial, multifamily, office, and then obviously self-storage as well. So a really great way for us to connect investment opportunities to our investor base. We've grown our investor base incredibly over the past five years and I suppose seven years since we started. And it's really been rewarding to see, Scott, the just the passion from our investor base to be able to come on, find new opportunities, partner with new sponsors, invest in different geographic locations that otherwise wouldn't have been available. So it's been a fun ride and and definitely excited to share our story with you. So Ryan, you're obviously very seasoned and veteran when you came to Crown Street, otherwise they wouldn't be looking at you. Then once you begin to work with the folks at Crown Street and seeing behind the scenes or having the discussions, how they vet other sponsors and really, I guess, how the sausage is made. And that's probably not the best way of putting it because that's certainly not what you're doing over there. But I know there's plenty of times where I've had an opportunity to all of a sudden be able to sit at a bigger table. And I just was kind of surprised at how much I didn't know that was going on behind the scenes of this organization that I've looked at from the outside or from afar, or even somebody I've done business with, then to come around to peek behind the curtain, that was a whole new world to me and an education. So can you remember back in 2015, what did that look like then when you came over to that side? What were some of the areas in which you thought, oh my gosh, I had no idea, or some of the things that you've learned along the way that you thought maybe you knew, but that you've quickly realized that you didn't, that you've learned now as a result of working with CrowdStreet? The part that was the most surprising coming over to CrowdStreet was just how talented the team was, the team of investment professionals, all institutional backgrounds, whether it's banks or private equity, institutional investors, and just the depth of data that CrowdStreet has accumulated. And even at that time, early in the company, how much data and how much resources they had available. So CrowdStreet, I think, is considered a fintech company. And the technology side of that is something that when you get into it, you're kind of expecting it to be more engineers when you think of a startup company playing ping pong, all that kind of stuff. But for CrowdStreet, it really is a investment company. It's a company that has done a great job of getting the talented people in the house, the right people in the right seats on the bus to really drive this forward. And so when we're having conversations with some very sophisticated sponsors, the part that was the most surprising to me and that has honestly continued to grow is just the amount of talent that we have on our investments team, the different perspectives, the different backgrounds, but a group that really is able to kind of have those robust conversations with people who do this on a daily basis. So it's a little bit different, Scott, I think not being kind of hands-on, we're not the operator, so we don't have that hands-on experience, but we also have 200 groups that we've been working with that do have that. So to get that different insight and that different perspective from all of them has been really incredible. So every day I'm learning more. I'm sure you're in the same spot too, where the more you talk to these groups, the more you learn, but that really has been an incredible part of that journey. Yeah, being in a room or access to practitioners just to see how they do things and just to learn from them, no matter what the asset class is, that's one of the benefits. We host the self-storage mastermind, and that's where we get 60 of some of the A players in storage together in a room. And for the most part, what we're doing is very, very similar, but it's that 10% that you learn from other folks, their secret sauce that you can then add to what you're doing that makes all the difference and that allows the rest of us to be able to move forward. And that's obviously been a big piece. You mentioned, Ryan, that you're a fintech company that has now become an 
investment company. And man, I'd add the third leg to that is an education company. You guys are also putting out some incredible information. Many times if I'm searching for something, if I want to get a little more background or insight into an investment term or a theory, Investopedia comes up and so does CrowdStreet. So tell us a little bit more about, I mean, certainly that isn't by just by happenstance. There has to be a dedication and some intention behind that as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. What I would really call it is, Scott, information sharing. So especially in times like this, and if you kind of can put yourself to, gosh, two and a half years ago now to when the pandemic started, it was really just talking with our sponsors, trying to see what they're seeing in the market, and then using that information along with a bunch of data that we have available to us to write some of those thought pieces and also try to boil it down to a way that's easy to digest for the retail investor. So if you're a retail investor, you haven't invested in office before, you haven't invested in self-storage or multifamily, providing you the tools to do that with real-time information that we're seeing from our sponsors, whether it's in the capital markets, right, the debt markets, the equity markets, or just from an operation perspective, what to look out for as you're actually operating these buildings moving forward. So that part has been great for us. It's been great to share that information with our investor base. And then to also watch the investor base that we have just continue to grow and learn the questions that they ask us, the questions that they ask our sponsors. The more tools we give them, the more intelligent those questions become. And it really is thought-provoking for us too to understand what are concerns of the current investor base? What are concerns over whether it's investing into a certain asset type, a certain geographic location, certain markets, but also just from an operational perspective, the types that they drill into are really thought provoking. So it actually makes us a little bit more intelligent as well. So that's a perfect segue into the burning question that I have and many of the folks that are listening to this as well is that, and I'll maybe set the stage up from where I see it, and that is as a sponsor, as a syndicator, we see that there's, well, 2008 seems to be kind of playing out all over again a little bit in terms of we're seeing interest rates go up, we're seeing inflation eating into people's budget and Wall Street going up and down. So there's a lot of folks that are pulling out, pulling back, and they're sitting in cash right now. And instead of investing in, a hard asset or an income producing asset like real estate, they're just sitting on the sidelines. You know, they see the news, they're hearing the press, how the Fed plans to raise interest rates until they break the economy. And some folks aren't willing to invest even with the best of sponsors and syndicators out there and operators, even though their returns are strong, they're just not willing to part with their dollars right now because they're not so sure that they want to ride anything down to the bottom if nobody knows where. And again, this is kind of my take on our narrative. And so what sure. we're, we're stating to our folks is that, well, with with inflation rate where it is, the real cost, peg it wherever you want, 9%, 10 12 13%. If you're not earning that, if it's just sitting in cash right now, you're going backwards. So you really should get off the dime and do something and gently persuade our folks. So tell me what you're seeing and maybe the conversations that some of your folks are having with your investors, or is there an overall sentiment that you're seeing or hearing in the marketplace from your pool of investors? Yeah. So, I mean, I completely agree with you. The worst place to put your money in an inflationary time is cash, right? You're just diluting your capital as time goes on. In contrast, real estate is a really good hedge against inflation. And that goes pretty much across every single asset type, whether it's self-storage that has kind of sticky tenants, whether it's office deals that have triple net leases where you have some hedge against some of those expense increases, or even something as simple as multifamily, where that inflation is actually going to increase your rent. So I completely agree with you there. The other part too, that I think is interesting that we're seeing from our investors is as you're seeing a lot of stock market volatility, so volatility in a lot of the indexes, real estate is patient capital. You place it there, 
you're going to get some cash flow, you're going to get appreciation, and you're going to sell when, when that time makes sense. So after you've executed the business plan and the capital markets are at a point where it actually makes sense to sell. So you do have to be a little bit more patient. You can't just put your money in and take it out the next day as you could, for example, for a stock market index or a, or a REIT, something like that. But when you pick and choose as CrowdStreet offers, right? you go to the marketplace, you pick a certain asset type, you're going to be in there for three to five years, depending on that business plan. So you definitely have to have more patient capital in inflationary times. That actually is a pretty good benefit for you. Well, we know that to be true. And now we just need to convince our folks they do need to get off the dime and get off their cash and do something with it. I imagine there's also, Ryan, a lot of questions that come. And I know you're not a financial advisor or a financial advisory group. You're a platform and I get that. It doesn't mean that I'm not still going to ask the questions. Your folks are still going to look to you even though you are a platform, especially since you're educating them and giving them information out there. So what would you say to a sponsor, a syndicator like myself or many of the folks that are listening right now? What is the message that we need to be getting across in order for folks to want to get off their cash right now. Usually from what we've seen in the events that we go to and the rooms that we're sitting in and talking with the family offices, they want to know that you've got experience, you've got a solid track record, and especially having been through a recession. And of course, integrity is at the top of their list, but that's impossible to determine unless you begin to work with somebody or you have a history with them. What are some of the things in terms of information, education that you're getting out to your investors to say, hey, here's what you need to be, especially right now, here's what you need to be looking for in a sponsor or a syndicator to invest, especially during these times? Is that different from the list that I've just covered or how would you answer that? This podcast is sponsored by the Self Storage Academy. To learn more about the upcoming event, please visit selfstorageacademy.com backslash live dash event backslash. The two things that I would add to that list, number one is sponsor experience. So the experience that you have, the reputation that you have, chips that you have today are much more valuable than they were five years ago. And what I mean by that is if you are looking for debt and you have a bank that you've transacted with multiple times, you've built up that trust, you've built that relationship with them, it's going to be a lot easier for you to navigate through those difficult times with them, whether it's closing a loan or post-closing to get either the best rate or the best workout if something were to happen down the line to work out that situation. So experience right now, in my opinion, is critical. And so a lot of the sponsors that we've been putting on our platform lately have been groups that have done 500, a billion, two and a half billion plus of historical transactions. And they've built those relationships, not only with the lenders, but with vendors as well. And so that part is really important. That's the first thing that we look for right now is what is the experience of the sponsor? And then you also can go back and look at what they did in the last recession, right? So if a sponsor started in 2016, that doesn't mean that they're bad at what they do, but you don't have that case study of how did you get through 2008, 2009, 2010? How did you manage those investments when times were hard? Very easy to have a good track record if you started buying stuff in 2012 (laughs) compared to today. Much more difficult to do that through cycles. So we look at that cycle experience. And then the other part that we look at is just where is the deal in terms of how buttoned up it is? We call it fully baked, right? So if you're doing a development deal, for example, what's your path to get permits? Are we taking pre-development risk? Where are you with your lender? Do you have a term sheet? Are you negotiating loan docs? I would much rather get into a deal that has fully executable term sheet than a deal where they're still shopping debt around. And especially where we're at today, where those interest rates are moving, we're seeing proceeds move considerably week to week, month to month. And so getting into a deal that's ready to break ground or even ready to close 
is very important. So on the acquisition side too, we're getting a lot of looks at opportunities where someone maybe closed the deal in May, June or July, and then they're coming back to raise some capital to backfill that. So they took the risk, the sponsor took the risk of that transaction. And now we're getting into a fully baked transaction versus one that has more speculative nature to it. So those are the big ones for us. And then I think the last part right now is interest rates aren't going down, right? The debt markets aren't going to get better anytime soon, especially as we continue to see inflation. And so now really is the good time to invest compared to the next couple of years, because you still have a chance to get in where interest rates are going to be historically still at a fairly low point. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So how do we navigate this difficult market that we're heading into for the passive investor out there that is looking to invest in a syndication? What, and I know you don't give advice, but what are some of the paths that they can take and should be taking right now in your opinion? Yeah. So a couple of things there. Number one, we say pick your spots very selectively. So get into markets that you feel like are still going to have a lot of growth potential to them. And especially for multifamily and for self-storage, you're really following the population trends. And those can be in flux because you do have a lot of workers as we're going to a remote work environment who have the opportunity to move multiple times over the course of five years. We didn't see that historically. And so just making sure that you're understanding those population trends and picking those markets with a lot more caution than before. We're seeing the Sunbelt states, for example, see a lot of growth, consistent growth in those population trends, whether it's Austin, Atlanta, Miami, Orlando, we're seeing a lot of movement to those Sunbelt states. And that's really important to follow. And then also, again, just get with a sponsor with a group that you trust to execute. Getting with a group today that doesn't have that historical experience is really difficult because you don't have that proof that they can get through those difficult times. So I always say, follow where the people are moving, partner with groups that know what they're doing and have done it before. And with that, you're going to also get those benefits of, again, what I talked about earlier, those relationships. So Ryan, if people are watching this at their desk, they've probably already looked up CrowdStreet and to see what you do. But if you could, why don't you summarize for the passive investor as well as the syndicator, both sides, what does CrowdStreet bring to the table for each one of those groups and why should they be looking at you? Yeah, very different, but still related, right? So I'll start with the investor base. So we offer a marketplace for investors to invest in single assets, but we also have various funds that both our sponsors bring to the table and that CrowdStreet has created to offer that diversification. So CrowdStreet offers three different ways to invest. You can go to our marketplace, you can look through the various offerings that we have and invest in a self-storage deal in New York, or you can invest in an office deal in Atlanta or a multifamily deal in Orlando. So create that diversification individually. Or you can invest into various fund vehicles that create that diversification for you. And most of our fund vehicles, Scott, have a very specific task to it. So whether it's from a sponsor who is very experienced in a certain asset type, or whether we're creating a fund that investors can go into and invest in multifamily deals in some belt states. We try to offer that diversification to our investors. We also have private managed accounts. So if you want to get the benefits of kind of picking and choosing where you want to invest, but don't really feel like you have the confidence or the expertise to do so, or quite frankly, the time to do all of the research, the education for yourself. You can also do a private managed account where you provide a set amount of money. You can give a kind of description of what you want to invest in, where you want to invest, and we can help deploy that capital for you. So from an investor standpoint, you can get diversification that you've never been able to get before 
whether you're doing direct investments or fund investments. And then on the opposite side, from a sponsor's perspective, and again, having been a sponsor who raised capital with CrowdStreet, the biggest thing that you're getting is control. So if you go to an institutional investor, you're most likely giving up quite a few control rights with that capital. We're providing certainty of capital to our sponsors. We're using data-driven predictive models to tell what we think we can raise for a given deal. And we've done now close to 700 projects. So we have a pretty good data set to say, if we're doing this type of deal, this is what we think we can raise for. And we can also help negotiate on behalf of the investors because of that, right? So we know we can raise 7 million for project with this type of return profile. But if we change the preferred return, the waterfall splits, the fee structure, we also know that we can raise more for that. So we can start to help sponsors get to their desired by benefiting the investors too. So it's a pretty good marriage there. The other thing that we provide to the sponsors is just opening the door to the syndication network. We're working with a lot of groups who have syndicated in the past, and they already know that process to raise that capital from each individual investor. But we're also working with groups who have never done that in the past, right? So they have historically raised with single purpose LP partners who are providing one check, and they don't know how to manage those investors. So we're providing them the tools and the technology to manage hundreds of investors, but still make it feel like CrowdStreet is just one investor coming into their project. Ryan, well, once again, just appreciate your time today. And that is absolutely the reason why you guys have done that so well and why we continue to point people to you. And so as we head into this next economic climate, as we head into this recession, if we ever get there, that is all good advice for the folks that are looking on both the active and, and the passive side. So if you would, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to get in touch with not only you, but also with CrowdStreet? Yeah, so I would recommend you go to CrowdStreet.com. You can see our marketplace there, as you mentioned, our resource center. So we have a full education center available for investors. And the tools we have there, Scott, are going to range from beginner level, so kind of real estate 101, as I would like to call it. Or if you really want to dive deep into self-storage or into office, into industrial, we have the tools and the tips and the educational content there to help get you up to speed. So go to crowdstreet.com, check out the marketplace, check out the CRE resource center, the education center, a bunch of good content right there. Fantastic. Ryan, before we sign off, once again, thanks so much for your time. And as we, and before we sign off, why don't you tell us the best advice that you've ever received from someone? Yeah. So when I think about the best advice that I've gotten, Scott, I kind of go back to my former boss, Bob Scanlon. The one thing that he told me is you're never going to get your underwriting perfect. So always look at the downside scenarios and the upside scenarios and come to a point where you feel confident that band is a good representation of the risk that you're taking. So we know whatever pro forma that we put out, we're never going to hit that spot on. So analyze those downsides, make sure you're protected there. And then also make sure that you give yourself enough upside potential to exceed those returns. That is so good. Anytime that we underwrite, I'm a very visual person and we teach people as well. And we always tell folks that you need to really underwrite a deal three ways. One is, what is the actual value? Let's look at T12 and find out exactly where this thing is right now. Then what is it going to look like under our management? You know, how are we going to run this thing and what is it going to look like and where are we going to take it in within the next uh, year? Is there some unmet potential that we're seeing right now that we can immediately take? And then what does it look like three, four, five years from now? Can we expand on this? Can we build more buildings? Um, are there huge operational inefficiencies that we can cure? Are they over payrolled? Can we use technology? And where does this go in four to five years? 
which is mostly what we focus on because that's the returns are produced for our equity partners, for our limited partners as well. And so once you stand back and if you take your three spreadsheets or and you put them on the floor and you look at all three scenarios and if you feel good with all three, then it's time to move forward and make an offer. But it really isn't until you get to that place where you feel comfortable, at least in my opinion, to be able to move forward to say, okay, I'm going to limit my downside risk because here's a lot of unmet potential in this thing and they're just really not running it very well. Oh, by the way, here's where we feel that we can take it. And even if we're off on those just a little bit, I still feel comfortable with it. So sound advice from Mr. Scanlon. Well, and also I, I think that's even furthered in self-storage, right? Because you have so many of the existing assets that are really owned by mom and pop type, I would call them mom and yeah. pop type of owners. Mm-hmm where they haven't extracted that value, especially over the past two years, you look at what rents have done in the mm-hmm. self-storage industry. A lot of them are just continue to do the 3% increases, yeah. 3 to 5% mm-hmm. increases. And so we see a lot of deals where investors can come in, kind of institutionalize the ownership, and yeah. then obviously just crank those rents right away. So looking back at the T12, especially for acquisitions and self-storage, is a great place to start because a lot of times it's not going to get worse than yeah. you know those numbers. Right. Yeah. And many of those folks, Ryan, haven't even raised it the normal 3%. They haven't raised it in five <laughs> years because they're proud of the fact that they just wanted to stay full. And then our, occupancy. our record so far has been 18%. We came in and did an 18% raise across the board at our facility. And there was only a, a couple of people that left and we were okay with that, even if uh, more did because it was so far below market. But 100%, you are correct. Well, Ryan, once again, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you. Appreciate everything that CrowdStreet is doing for the platform itself and the education side as well. And so, yeah, we're looking forward to what is coming down the pike with regards to this market and the opportunities that are out there. So folks, if you're looking to invest on the passive side, you absolutely need to be taking a look at CrowdStreet and and getting off your cash. And for the syndicators and sponsors out there, obviously you need to be looking at CrowdStreet because they are one of the absolute best at what they do. So Ryan, thanks so much. We'll catch you on the flip side. Likewise, really appreciate it, Scott. Thank you. Hey gang, wait, three things before you leave. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the following subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.